Welcome everyone to another episode of Mental Unblock. This is your host Omar and this week we host our first female entrepreneur. She was born in Mauritius, moved to Dubai and at some point decided to start her own business. She did so using nothing but a laptop working out of a coffee shop and a little help from friends, family and personal savings. Today, that same startup spans across multiple countries, has managed to raise over $15 million in funding, and is being named by Forbes magazine as the region's second most disruptive fintech platform. She is the CEO and founder of Sukalmel, Ambreen Musa. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, how are things at Sukalmel? Doing great. Um, been going through six years of ups and downs, as any startup does, but very happy where we are. We recently closed a $10 million round last year and um, using this to really push the business up. Congratulations. We're gonna come back in a little bit. I wanna talk about your growth, your expansion, the funding, how you did all that. But let's go back a little bit in time, share with the viewers who Ambreen Musa is. Uh, you were born in Mauritius. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit more about your childhood. What was that like? Your parents, you come from a family of entrepreneurs. So take us back and tell us a little bit about your childhood. So yeah, born and bred in Mauritius, did my first secondary school out there and then got a scholarship to go to Australia. So Mauritius is a very um, multicultural place. So funnily enough, you grew up in an environment where uh, cultural sensitivity is a big part of it. Sure. One, two, education is absolutely everything. I mean, think about it, an island, 1.2 million people, there is not much sure. going out there. So if you've got any aspiration whatsoever, you do tend to think, bigger and broader. And I think sure. it's interesting because we've always wondered what makes us drive ourselves so hard. And I think blessing in disguise, you might call it, sure. but coming from a small country where there's not much opportunity post uh, high school and undergrad, you do tend to think there's one way, which mm. is out. Sure. And I think you do whatever you need to do to get through. But also the, the family was very, education was, for my dad anyway, education was the utmost uh, important sure. thing. Family, um, you've got siblings, two siblings, I believe. Two big brothers. Okay. Were they yes. protective? They were protective in a very interesting way. <laughs> Tell us what, how were they, what were they like? So, so they were protective, but incredibly a bit of an accomplice to me as well. Sure. So they were protective from a, okay, there's a little stuff, but never was very conservative protective. Mm -hmm. On the contrary, they, they got me around my parents quite a right. lot, which was very, yeah, and I think I think <laughs> I kind of built quite a bit of an accomplice between us, and until today, we're extremely close. Sure. Um, I'm actually seeing them in a couple of weeks again. I go home probably four or five times a year, Good. even if it's for a weekend. Great thing about Mauritius, six hours flight, nice. three flights a day, no time difference. Why did you move to Dubai? So, so I've gone a few places before turning up here. Sure. I remember really well. So the first um, idea of Dubai I had was when the Palm was getting built. And for me, I remember I was very young, I was like sure. 10 or something. And I remember thinking, wow, what is this place? Like, what is this country? But then forgot about it because I was too busy to go to Australia, sure. thinking how to study, get out and whatnot. Um, so I did a stop over in Australia for mm. six years, did my final, my university degree there, did my first business, which I sold after two years, then got a job with GE, then they shipped me off to London. So I did three years in London where I launched the GE Money brand. Mm. And then from there I decided I couldn't wait for 10 years to become CMO which was sure. my dream at the time of, of GE. Sure. So I went to INSEAD thinking I would jump five years mm -hmm. and was supposed to go back. But then when I went to INSEAD, both in France and in Singapore, um, it was 2007. Wow. It was double digit growth everywhere. Sure. Right? And Dubai in the Middle East was booming like there's no tomorrow and there right. were no taxes. So from Singapore when I was looking for jobs, ended up getting a job with Bain & Company in Dubai. 
Right. And here I am, 11 years later. Actually, I, I just want to say, for people who are not familiar with Suklamal, can you, in 60 seconds or less, let's call it a 60-second challenge, tell people out there, what is Suklamal exactly, for people who don't know it? It's very simple. Suklamal is a comparison site for banks' products, which is credit card, mortgages, personal loans, bank accounts. And it's also a comparison site of car insurance, mm. which means you put in all your details and your car details. Within 30 seconds, you get quotes from 15 different insurance providers. Sure. And from there, you can actually pick one. You see all the details. You compare them side by side. You pick a car insurance. You put in your credit card details. And within an hour, you've got your policy. You go to RTE and get your registration done. Nice. I so think you did that in... How long was that, guys? 40 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, I think I probably am good. I'm so used to it, right? In sixty, right? In 60 yeah. seconds, it's uh, yeah. it's a six seconds pitch. Yeah. So now, listen. I mean, a lot of people also underestimate um, the amount of work, the dedication that goes into being an entrepreneur, uh, starting a business. How dedicated were you? In fact, it's not even that. How difficult was it when you first got started? How challenging was it? It's interesting that it's harder now than it used to be. Okay. When you first start. What have you got to lose? Sure. Nothing much. Sure. Just start started. Doesn't work six months time. You close down. You move on to something else. Um, and you're on your own. Sure. Okay. So so you you still got this thrive and you're still building it. Um, as you get bigger and bigger and you start raising funding, one responsibility towards investors getting the play, right? And that's a big one. And a lot of people come to me and say, "Wow, you know, raising funding." And I said, "Do you need money?" Well, not really. I'm like, well, "Why are you raising?" I don't know. I think, I think it's great. I think it's you know it means success. I'm like raising funding doesn't mean success. Sure. It is responsibility Absolutely. towards your investors. Absolutely. Don't forget that. So if you actually don't need funding and you're profitable and you can scale up, mm -hmm. are you guys profitable? Are you cash flow no, positive? No, we're not. You're not. Okay. So we've got two businesses. The banking business is the banking okay. business is profitable and cash flow positive. Okay. The insurance business is a two-year-old business. Okay. This is the loss making. All right. Um, so. Yeah. Sure. What well, What was the toughest moment when you got started? I'm sure you can think back to one of the toughest moments. Uh, what, what what was the hardest challenge that that you had to overcome that you dealt with? It, it was it was two things actually. One was convincing banks sure. and insurance companies to work with us. Right when you first start, you don't have a brand, you're small. I remember very well. We went into one of the banks and he said to us, "There's six of you guys." And that was a time where comparison of banks was the only thing aggregator did. Aggregator right. is now so we've moved on to insurance as well. We've got both. You've got credit cards, mortgages where you compare sure. them. You can apply to the banks. We've also got insurance. At the time, we only had comparison of financial products. And banks would tell me this, and there were. I started six months in, six of us came up, came through. Six competitors out of the blue. Wow. Right? And banks said to us, the six of you, come back in six months. Whoever is alive, we'll work with them. Wow. So it's interesting how even the banks were thought, we don't want to get involved into somebody who's probably not going to be around in six sure. or eight months. And in six or eight months, the market itself will reposition. Sure. Right? And the survivors will start. Will How much start. rejection did you have to deal with then? Oh, if, if you can't deal with rejection as an entrepreneur, you'll never be successful. Do you still deal with it today? <laughs> you do? Yeah, okay. The reason why I ask that but, is because... Rejection from, not about I don't want to work with you, but hey, mm. I'm not going to give you the, the, the percentage I want, or I'm not going to give you the sure. product that you want. And sure. it's a negotiation game. Absolutely. So uh, you started Sukhan Mal. Um, I think you, you might have been pregnant at that time with your first kid and you were working out of a coffee shop with a laptop and just a very simple start. How did it grow to become what it is? Um, it was a very simple startup. I was, funny enough, so the story is I was on maternity leave. Okay. Six weeks in, 
I was suffocating. <laughs> Let's wow. put it that way. It was it was very, you know, I, I needed to do something. And I was always going to go back in the entrepreneurship world. And the first time I got to Dubai in 2008, the first thing I saw, there was no comparison site. So I emailed Money Supermarket in the UK, which is the number one in the UK today. Um, and I asked them, hey, give me your system. I'll just launch it here. Mm -hmm. There has to be, there's 50 banks. There has to be an aggregator site. They never responded. But then I was too busy at Bain and then I got moved over to MasterCard. It's only when I got on maternity leave that I thought I'd look it okay. up again and nobody had done it. So that's where the idea was born? It was in 2008. And yeah. how did you first fund this? I mean, did you stumble across a big pile of cash or was it personal savings? It was, was my it? bank account. <laughs> how much was it? I think something like $70,000 is all you had and you worked with that? Yeah, so basically okay. what I did, so I was, what, the way I did it was I didn't quit my job. Okay. Right? I, I was working at the same time as a maternity leave. So sure. I had a full-time salary coming in, plus I had the same savings on the side, and that's what I used to kick off the business for six months. Sure. And post six months is when we were um, chosen by Arbnet. Yes. So I am very, I've got a very warm uh, idea about Arbnet because sure. that's where we first ever launched a business in Beirut. Uh, we got, uh, we got chosen as a top 10 startups to come and pitch. So I quit my job and went there. Wow. Literally took the, took the plane out to Beirut. Were you, I mean, did you give it enough thought or did you just jump and do it? Because you know, you had somewhat of a senior position working at MasterCard. When you leave these senior positions, the pool of opportunities for you becomes smaller, you know, because you're working a senior position. Did you think about it or did you just decide to jump and do it? Do you know what? It, it, I get asked this question a lot is what made you leave? What? Sure. I've never really had the concept of staying in the corporate world forever. Sure. Being an entrepreneur was just a no-brainer. I was bored up in it. So it was mm. just kind of normal to have your own business. Right. Um, it was just finding the right time and the right place and the right idea. So it was a bit of a no-brainer to do it. Um, but I did wait for six months to make sure that that was the right idea. Sure. And I wanted to test the market. I didn't want to also be, you know, complete, um, just go out there and spend money and see what happens. I didn't like that either. So it was very much six months of investing into it, sure. but also keeping my job and then figuring out, is there potentially, because why had nobody done it? That was the first question I had. Yeah. Why not? Why hadn't anybody done it? I don't know. You just beat everybody to the punch, was that it? No, I think what it is, is to run a business like Sukal Mal. Mm -hmm. You can't just say, I come from banking industry, I'm going I'm sure. to start it. You can't say, I've spent 15 years in the insurance industry, I'm just going to start. Sure. There's a whole digital aspect. Running a digital aggregator and running sure. an insurance business Absolutely. is two very different things. You've raised uh, a couple of rounds of funding. How much have you raised exactly now? Over $15 Over million? Over $15 million. Okay. And um, a lot of people... Um, look at entrepreneurship as something different than what it what it is or what it what it mainly is. In other words, the media portrays entrepreneurship to be all glitz and glamour, but in a lot of the cases, that's not it. Entrepreneurs, despite how successful they get, sometimes they still um, do what they have to do to make sure that the business gets priority. So, um, in your perspective, um, what is entrepreneurship really like? Is it as glamorous as you know it's made out to look? Uh, you said something at one point which I really liked, uh, something along the lines, even for a person uh, with the highest levels of perseverance, entrepreneurship can be very difficult and challenging. Uh, what do you mean by that? I think as an entrepreneur already, you are, you've got a certain level of perseverance. You need to be able to fall apart, pick up with a smile and keep going. And entrepreneurs, as a general rule, are people who don't give up. Sure. They just never give up. Otherwise, you can't be an entrepreneur. You'd give up within six months of, the issue of starting a business. 
So even for someone like this, you need to be able to take rejection. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to take no's and no's over and over, especially at the beginning. Once you build a brand, things come in a lot easier. But then on the other side, then you start having talent management issues, cash flow issues, investor issues, board issues. Right. So there's constantly issues morning to night. At some point, at the end of the day, you just go, I've had, I can't deal with any more issues. Sure. But I think part of me feels like this is what kind of drives us as well. Yeah, but let me interrupt you. You, you say at some point, you say you can't deal with this anymore. Did you ever get to a point where you thought about quitting? Were you ever close to actually quitting or giving up? No. But have I said, like, why am I doing this? Absolutely. That was my next question. Absolutely. Did you question what you've done? So you question it on a superficial level. Okay. Because when you really get down, you're sure. like, no, are you kidding? That's, yeah. I, I've never had as much fun in my career as I'm having today. Like, I don't, I don't, I can't even see myself going back in the corporate world. Ever? Ever. What happens if you get fully acquired? Would you not go back to work? Oh, that's a good question. Well, when that happens, though, we'll get back on the show. <laughs> Sounds good. Are there people out there that try to discourage you from doing this? Does it happen all the time? And if so, how do you deal with it? Um, not anymore, but yes. At the beginning, sure. there were people. I mean, that my, I remember my first, first person I ever, ever came across for funding said to me, you'll never get anywhere. Never. This business is a complete And who was that? That I will keep quiet. Okay. Um, <laughs> and someone else told me, you're absolutely brilliant entrepreneur, but you're betting on the wrong horse. Why don't you come and work for me instead? So, right. yeah, you have it all and you hear it all. But, and again, that's why when I say, I think if you're going to do that as an entrepreneur, one, you need to believe in it. And two, you need to be absolutely passionate about it. Mm. Um, why, why is it that you do this? What is the main drive for you as Ambreen? It's, it's the growth and it's the build of it. And now that I have two kids who are at an age and I look at how they view the business, it's absolutely phenomenal. For them, it's, I, I can't even, exp I don't even have words to tell you. They come to the office every week, once a week. And for them, it's the biggest pride. Sure. Having mommy having her own company. And I, and I can't really explain to you why, but I think the role model that I think you can give is, is something I think I, it would be very hard for me to give yeah. otherwise. You're quite uh, aggressive, uh, competitive, I can tell by nature. How do you, how do you uh, deal with your competition? In fact, let me ask you this. Do you, do you have a bigger market share than your competitors? Uh, it depends on what you're talking about. Uh, okay. we were, we, from a numbers perspective, mm -hmm. competitor, well, it depends on which one, but you've got okay. five of them today. Okay. Um, Who's your biggest competitor? Should I mention them? Maybe okay, not. you don't have to. <laughs> we, have, uh, we have a very aggressive competitor, and I think between us and them, it's just a completely different strategy. There's different strategies you can run this business. You can run the business with short-term gain, short-term mm. revenue, grow, grow, grow now, burn a whole lot of money. Sure. Or you can run it as profitable, sustainable, and partnership way to actually grow the business in mm. the future. And, and the way we're doing it is we've picked whether it's right or wrong, we'll mm. find out. Sure. But We've chosen the path of sustainable growth. Okay. Um, finding partnerships, different ways to actually acquire customers at the right moment, okay. at the right price, and with the right service. Okay. I think, how do I deal with competitors? I think one of the most important ways to deal with your competitor is to stay focused on what you're doing. The last thing you want to do is be reactive to absolutely everything, because then you're not focused anymore. It's, it's, a, it's a complete kind of cat and mouse story, right? Mm -hmm. So I always tell the team, 
Focus on what you're doing. We've got a vision. We know where we're going. We've got our numbers to hit. Sure. Focus on what we have to do. Put your head down and keep doing. Keep an eye out on what's going on and where we can potentially, you know, adapt ourselves mm-hmm. to any new market, market dynamics that's going on. But stay focused. You're in Forbes magazine. You raised millions of dollars. Um, I called you last week and your son answered the phone. <laughs> That and is actually, quite true. I do remember that. And, and I think he, and he had a conversation with he you. Did. He did. How old is he? God bless him. He is three and a half. Well, you know, he had a full-on conversation. Yeah. And you know what? He said, Mommy's busy right now. She can't talk. And yeah. I was like, well, could you please tell her uh, I called? And he was like, what's your name? I said, Omar. And he goes, okay, bye-bye. And I just <laughs> thought it was the cutest thing ever. So he is, I think the word busy has unfortunately become quite a vocabulary. <laughs> and and, uh, and th- this is the thing, right? They grow up understanding that there's a time for everything, but the core understanding that this doesn't come sure. easy. You have to work hard to get somewhere. And they are, they've learned the priorities where when I'm in a meeting, I'm in a meeting. So they come to the office every week, but they know there are times they can't disturb mm-hmm. me. So yes, I'm guessing it was on the phone and he picked up the phone when, sure. when you called, but he knows I can't disturb mommy because she's in a meeting. Has, has this entrepreneurial journey affected your um, your family's relationship? I mean, is there a price? Do your kids pay a price for having the CEO mom, for example? Do you find a way to make up for that? I mean, is there actually a happy medium? I think the happy medium is very subjective and it's really up to you. Okay. Right? So there are things I had to give up. So I have a very strict schedule and everybody knows in the office post 6 o'clock, I'm not available. Between 6 and 8.30, I am not available, no matter what it is. Rare circumstances, I will make time for it. But 6 to 8.30, I am home, I cook dinner for the kids, I have dinner with them, put them into the bath, read the books, and put them to bed. And you do that every night? Every single night. What happens when you travel? Except when I travel. <laughs> of course. Um, sure. And when I travel, I do try and do the day trips. Yep. Right? Or maximum, I go one night. Do they ever go on business trips with you? No. Okay. How I don't come? mix that. It's, oh. I can't focus. Right. Not on business trips. They would sure. come to the office once a week, but that's about sure. it. Sure. Um, but they understand when I have to, sure. to work. And, and it's funny because even Rania, my daughter, would say, Mama, I care about your company. You really should be going now. You, you'd be sure. there for your meeting. Um, so it, it, it's a strict medium. But yes, they do. It's a pros and a con, right? Absolutely. They do not have the time of a full-time mom at home. Absolutely sure. not. But they gain by seeing what we can achieve and what, Absolutely. if you put the work in it, what you can get to. Sure. Um, so I think it's a pros and cons. And again, it's a happy medium. For me, the happy medium is being home. That, that 6 to 8.30 is an extremely important part. But then I give up my social life because post 8.30 I go sure. back to work. Right? So Absolutely. it's all, and for now it works for me. It's, it's yeah. great. And every morning I actually have breakfast with them and I bring them to school. Nice. I've been told, take the school bus. No, yeah. I want to be, because that's the 20 <laughs> minutes in the car that I have with them. And it gets me yeah. to work early. I'm in the office by 8. Right. Sorry. Now, um, before we wrap things up, there's a couple things that I want to ask you. Uh, first of all, Suklamel, I love the website. Um, what I admire about it the most is it's quite educational. Um, and you actually, you had an incident that happened to you years ago where you were uh, leasing a car um, and you noticed after a certain period of time that the numbers just weren't adding up. Your Excel sheet told you something different than you know, what the bank was charging you. What, what was it? Just walk me through that again and how Sukumal could actually help you avoid that because it has to do with the interest rate. So yeah. for those that are not aware of it, including myself, educate us a bit It was on that. a very simple case of interest rates and how yeah. they calculated. Mm-hmm. So in this region, there is two types of rates. 
on personal loans and car loans is a flat rate mm -hmm. and a reducing rate. Sure. A flat rate is a rate that they will charge you on your principal, which means I borrow 100K, mm -hmm. I get charged 5%, okay. I get charged 5% for the next five years. Okay. Whether or not I've paid down my principal, okay. it's still 5%. On okay. the last year, I'm still paying 5% on 100, right? And then there's a reducing rate, which mm. is generally 1.8 something, 1.89 mm. on top of uh, the flat rate. Mm -hmm. So it will be more, exp more expensive. It will be a higher number. Sure. But you only pay on your reducing balance. Okay. Right? So you can't just say this is cheaper than the other. But then when the banks actually go out and advertise it, some banks do flat, some banks are reducing. Mm -hmm. And I got caught in one bank telling me it was a flat, it, it was a rate. So I thought 2.99 was a fantastic rate. Mm -hmm having just landed in Dubai, so I did not realize there was a flat and a reducing rate. Because mm -hmm. you go to the UK, it's all reducing. Mm -hmm. It's an APR, it's one rate. Okay. And when I was calculating my rate or my repayment on Excel, I was re using the reducing rate. So mm -hmm. the actual effective rate on the 2.99 was 4.98, which suddenly was like, wait, well, that's an expensive rate. Yes. So which is why it wasn't matching. The bank was doing 2.98 on 100, but the second year I was doing it, I was doing my 2.99 on 80,000, okay. not on 100,000. So like, I don't, I don't understand. So essentially, you had to pay everything based on the actual interest rate. Yes, but I was paying on the principal for the next five years versus on a reducing rate. Right. And I, because the rate was so low, I thought it was low, but it's actually the effective rate was much higher. Okay. So basically, it's when you compare the different rates, you need to make sure you take the banks, mm -hmm. you take their rates, look whether their flat rates are reducing, sure. and convert everything into either all reducing or either all flat. Sure. So what we've done on Sukulmal, if you go and look for a car loan, we'll have the rate and we'll tell advertise rate is this, we'll tell you whether it's a reducing or a flat rate and then we'll convert it all into one either reducing or flat. Sure. So you actually always compare like for like. Uh, now, uh, one thing that I noticed as well being in the UAE is a lot of people, um, a lot of expats, tend to overstretch themselves financially. And that's because financial institutions make it quite easy. And I mean, even with websites like Sukumal, you can go compare credit cards, loans, whatever it is, and apply for it then and there. And to some extent, you even have bank sales reps walking into offices mm -hmm. saying, you know, we have an agreement with your company. I can give you a credit card right now. I actually had that happen to me at one point where somebody literally gave me a 100,000 Durham limit with basic requirements, right? This is so, how Sukumal idea came in the first time. Okay. When I landed in Dubai, sure. one of the banks came and did exactly that. And I was okay. like, well, what are my other options? Oh, well, madam, call me when you're done with calling all sure. the tiny banks. What I wanted to ask you, though, is with, with all these uh, products being made so easy, do you think that's a reason why a lot of expats have, actually tend to overstretch themselves financially? A lot of them come here, work for years, only to find out that they're in so much debt and end up leaving with nothing? So this was the case a few years ago. Okay. Um, things have changed a lot and since the credit bureau has come on. Okay. So before the credit bureau, which was three years ago, before the last three years, you could, take a, you could have 20 credit cards. Mm -hmm. Nobody will know. Mm -hmm. You would just go to a bank and say, I don't have any, and they'll give you one. Right. They had nowhere to check your credit history. But now they do. Now they do. So what people used to do is take a credit card mm -hmm. and then start, take another one, take another sure. one, take a loan, can't afford the repayments, sure. just take on a new one. The new guy don't know you've already got a loan, paid off, do that again. And they would get over and over and leave happily sure. ever after yes. until the credit bureau came on board. Okay. So the next time you can't repay your loan, so you go find another one, they go in the credit, credit report, they look at all the loans you have, like, sorry, I can't give you one. Right. And that's where, in the last three years, you've seen a huge indebtedness mm -hmm. coming out in the open. Mm -hmm. Suddenly people can't take another loan to repay the previous one. Sure. Because the new bank wouldn't give it to them. So I think with time, you'll see the intended lesson will, will decrease. But I think 
on the other side, the indebtedness level actually really came through because of the concept of, wow, it's a zero tax place. Sure. And you're exposed to a lavish lifestyle and everybody's aspiring to have a certain lifestyle. Sure. And credit was so easy to get. Put everything on the credit card. Uh, what's next for uh, Ambreen and Sukumel? What's next is a very good question. I, I'm, I'm living day on day at the moment in six okay. months. and I can't even tell you what's going to happen in the next six months. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing the next show we'll talk about what's happening next. Um, sure. I, I, honestly, for now, it, it's very much the biggest focus is literally growing this business regionally um, and making it not just the UAE's biggest financial comparison site, but the region's biggest sure. comparison site. But not only that, making it a sustainable growing business, which is very, very important to me, but literally not forget our core, and our core is about education and is about trust. And I think one of the areas, I think we're the only financial aggregator that's managed to do this, we are the most trusted brand in the, in the industry. Sure. And we're not just talking about consumers, and I hear this from investors, I hear this from banks, I hear it from insurance, I even hear it from the government. Mm -hmm. um, we are, we've built an incredibly trusted brand, which is very marked into into the economy and i think that's i guess where we um we were awarded quite a few sure. um awards from forbes there you go you've had some advertising time on the show um who who which entrepreneurs in the market do you actually look up to is there anybody within the local market that you admire that you like how they do business that um you'd like to do more things like them is there anybody that would be considered uh, a role model for you in the UAE in terms of entrepreneurs? Look, I think we kind of all started a little bit at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, I think every one of the entrepreneurs and I admire all of them. I think, as a, you know what, as a general rule, I don't think I've ever met an entrepreneur that I didn't admire. Okay. And everyone has their own way of doing sure. things. Everyone has their own industry they're in. Um, but one thing I can tell you is Every single time I meet one of them, yeah. there, there is always a certain learning that I never knew before. Who's one person that resonates with you? Hard to say one, but the one person, one entrepreneur who sure. does resonate with me is my dad, unfortunately. Oh, I have to bring good. it that, that back. Is, that is um, he's had three businesses and he's taught me some of the things I could have not learned from sure. anywhere else. And one of it sure. is perseverance. Wow. Yeah. Now... Um, our crew is signaling to us. We're running out of time here. As we wrap it up, I just want to very quickly ask you in a minute or less, um, what are your top three tips for entrepreneurs out there? What sort of advice would you give them? Um, first of all is if you're going to do this, be sure you know what you're getting yourself into. Make sure that you're financially stable to go out two to three years, potentially without making an income. Um, love what you do. Be passionate about it. And don't jump into it just kind of as a default. Sure. Um, and third thing is, you know, if you want to go out and raise funding, make sure you've got a product, at least an MVP that can show what, what you're capable of doing. And Rain, thank right. you so much for being here. Really excited to uh, have you. Very inspirational, motivational story. And we look forward to having you here again. Thank you. So, it was an thank absolute you. pleasure. Guys, there you have it. Embry Musa. Um, this is your host, Omar, signing off. Uh, Mental Unblock. Make sure you tune in to next week's episode. See you. Come on.